Hi, and welcome to the Sunday Lunch Project Manager podcast for Sunday, the 1st of May. This is your host, Nigel Creaser, and today we've got the second part of my interview with Peter Capelli, the Professor of Management Guy. So this week we are again uh, supported by Tamplo. Um, Tamplo is a uh, online tool that uh, turns meetings into actions uh, and uh, has a number of different features. Uh, the bit I'm going to talk about today is around the project and task management and the follow-up. Uh, essentially, you have a, a clear dashboard that shows you an overview of scheduled tasks, alert ta- for late tasks, an overview of team's progress. It saves you jumping into your Outlook and being di- diverted by that mor- morass of email that we get. Um, you can create your own daily plan in there, or you can, as a project manager, you may be assigning tasks to people. And those people can look at those, uh, have their own daily plans, adding in their own specific items they've got to do, as well as the things allocated to them. Uh, the, for the project management point of view, you get a dedicated dashboard with a list of tasks, knowing what people are working on on each project. And there's a load of collaboration capability in there. With the goal of getting no task left undone, uh, more, efficient and mo- uh, more efficiency and motivation, and clear action plans. So if you want to see what this is all about, jump along to tinyurl.com slash Nigel Creaser Templo. That's all one word, Nigel Creaser Templo. Have fun. So what's been going on in the past through a few weeks? Um, so on a personal front, my dodgy knee that I've uh, hurt recently is now on the mend and nothing super serious, though a little bit painful. Um, so I'm heading on to physio, physio, um, which means that hopefully I'll be able to get back. Well, I can get back on a bike now, hoping to get bike back on uh, on my feet running soon. Uh, probably be a couple of months yet when I say soon. So I've had to push back a few train. Uh, races that I was looking to do but hopefully by the end of the year now targeting a one of my favorite runs actually which is the Lake Vernoy half marathon a beautiful run um, it was the first half marathon I ever did and then I've had slower times at it every time since so I've got some unfinished business there and uh, now it's back on uh, I'm hopefully going to target that and see how that goes um, all preparation really for hopefully what will be next year for my main sort of charity that I'm interested in is Alzheimer's Research UK uh, which I ran the marathon for last year and next year I'm hoping to run London if I can get a place with them uh, and raise some money for that so well hopefully um, everything will be fine and dandy to do that so that's on that side of it work has been busy work has been fine um, had some time off over Easter which was lovely chilled out managed to pick the week that wasn't as sunny as the second week so there's a bit of uh, irony there but uh, had some chilled out time uh, with the family uh, managed to get to beaches and wander around um, coastal walks kind of just wash the head clean of stuff which was fab um, and that washing the head clean and, and kind of mental health build up um, I do notice that when I have stronger mental health, I am 
creative by default and more ideas and more things that get going um which i had never noticed before until um until i was ill last year and then looked back over how i'd been for some time before that and i had an interesting conversation on a couple of podcast interviews this uh, recently about growth mindset and uh that that kind of opened up my head around the fact that you've got that um when you are under stress when you are um not in your best place from a mental perspective you don't you it's difficult to see and identify those opportunities those positives and um where you're going to and i think it's it's a it's not a mindset that you have it's a mindset that you are at the time so it can be a, like a muscle and um that growth mindset i think looks for opportunities looks for ways to do stuff which has been something that i've uh, found through my career i've always been very good at looking at the positive if we have a problem i'm the one who can go oh right well we can work a way out always do it and i did i do know that i wasn't looking that way i wasn't thinking that way um during parts of the year before last um so it's quite a good eye-opener that and uh, a reflection of that is that i have just launched um a new listener group for you lovely people that listen to me although i imagine some people who follow me on social media will probably join the group as well and then hopefully they'll start listening um and, and twofold really a little bit of um me being able to keep in touch with you guys maybe have some dialogue with you guys which would be fantastic um because sometimes it does feel like i'm just shouting into the internet but on the flip side of that also is for you guys to connect you you all listen to me um and and these fantastic guests i'm lucky to get uh you're all interested in this project management field and therefore um will have a level of knowledge yourselves and i'm sure that in that group um should you wish to join it um you will be able to learn stuff and you will be able to help people so hopefully we'll get a community there um and i'd like to try and get some discussion about the podcasts um about the topics in there and maybe have a debate in there um and sort of longer term see if i can get some exclusive content get some some of the um guests that are part of this in that group talking to you guys um whether that's video whether that's uh, text or whatever so it's a little bit of an experiment um and the more it, i'm going to need a, a bow wave i've got a couple of people in there very good friends of mine who've um, already joined welcome to them uh there's an opportunity to introduce yourself and it's called as this is the sunday lunch project manager podcast it is called the dinner table so if you jump along to um you can use the tiny url address tinyurl.com slash the dinner table two ends in that um or just search for the dinner table in linkedin and you'll find a group there um click to join i did put on facebook not facebook what's it called linkedin the other day to say um I'll send out a code this weekend for people to get exclusive access. Uh, unfortunately, LinkedIn isn't as sophisticated as Facebook with its uh, group controls and things like that. So uh, I can't even do that to give you an access code. So you can't even, you just click to join and then it tells me you've asked to join and then I can let you in. Um, that's brilliant on that side of it. So I'm really looking forward to seeing where that goes. Um, as I say, it's a bit of an experiment. So let's see. See how it works. 
On the podcast front, uh, I am awash with podcast guests at the moment. I have um, conducted a couple of interviews uh, last week, um, and I have, um, not last week, week before and last week, so I've got three in the hopper already ready to go. Um, I've got about another six interviews scheduled over the next four weeks. So by... um, I think by the end of May, I will have had all of my um, sessions recorded. I may even start moving to a weekly uh, at this rate, but I'm trying to resist that so I don't make a rod free mill back. Um, but let, actually, in the group, let me know if you'd like to hear them weekly. If you'd like to hear them, is, is the fortnightly and the way I split them good, bad, indifferent to you? Um, just let me know. Uh, but yeah, I've got some fantastic guests uh, already interviewed, some fantastic guests and what else is there final bit of news really i think i mentioned it before i am speaking at the um the national the greek national project management conference pmconference.gr uh there um they've got a great lineup and me um of speakers uh i will be talking about productivity and project management at that event and early on on the on one the morning on the 26th of may so if you are uh, interested type it's all online um at the moment so uh you can get it they're all webcasts so i'm just in the processes of finalizing and rehearsing that uh, which is exciting this is the first one of these that i've done um uh so uh yeah um yeah and i'll probably use that, that presentation in another another uh, so I'm another few other uh, events if i can i'm currently wrestling with uh, microsoft sway because i decided i don't want to do powerpoint i want to use something so different i quite like microsoft sway so uh, learning as well as uh, uh, getting on with stuff so that's it really i'm going to uh, shut up now quite a long uh, recording of this uh, intro um, and let you have a listen to the second part with peter cabelli uh, and i hope you enjoy it and i'll speak to you later You know, it's one thing if everybody's remote, it's another if you are the remote person yeah. and everybody else is in the office. You know, we, we remember how during conference calls, you know, you had to be in China, so you're calling in for the conference call and everybody ignores you. Yeah. You know, you could have been off the phone for a while, the line went dead, nobody knows, right? Um, and it's important to remember that if you're going to be the remote worker, your career will pay a price for that, right? Now, people don't want to hear that, but there's been a bunch of studies of this they all show the same thing and ask yourself this mental exercise say suppose i have an identical twin in my office we're doing the same job the same way we're both equally good at it but your twin is going to go back to the office and you're going to move to himalaya and be a remote employee which one of you is going to get ahead well i mean we know and what are you going to have to do to fix that well there's nothing i can think of the way organizations work now because it's so much about access to information, opportunities to shine, you know, to grab the interesting projects early on, to know what's going on so you can adjust uh, to yeah. the whims in the organization. We don't know how to fix that. Yeah, and I think, I, I wonder if it's just exacerbating a, another challenge that's always there in that if you are a person in an organization that does a good job does a fantastic yeah. job gets on do your work um but is someone who doesn't play the game yeah doesn't 
um, get involved with the not not politically and, and nefariously, but don't make yeah. don't self promote, don't talk about what they've done, don't present what they've done as doing. Is it well? I'm just doing a good job. Whereas actually, it is a it, some the same the scenario with the twin. If you've got one twin that says and talks to people about what they've been doing and is willing to um, promote something or go and um, talk at a, an, a, an event or something or, or even organizationally and the other one does the same level of quality of job and doesn't do that self-promotion yep. then that that mm-hmm. that one that does starts to take the lead doesn't it and mm-hmm. and sometimes you you're in that situation where you accept the fact that you're not going to because you don't want that at the moment you're not going to go forward yeah i think you it's it's people have got to be conscious that they're, if they're going to sit on the hill in Switzerland, they're going to have to work harder to be noticed. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not a criticism of the organization because yeah. it, it's, if, if someone's there and they've got a team of people, it, we're only human. The person that we see and know about what they're doing, we're going to notice that. The person who yeah. we don't don't, who doesn't tell you about it and doesn't and I'm, I'm, I'm in that situation where that whereas if I'm working from home if I want to make sure people have seen what I've been doing I've I've been in situations where I've been working away from my organization uh, embedded into another organization and to be quite frank I could have been sat down doing nothing for all they knew but mm-hmm. my organization was getting paid I was <laughs> where I was the, the, mm-hmm. the customer I was working for was happy with what I was doing but there was difficulty in getting that, whether it was message. good, bad, indifferent yeah. message between, and and yeah. that yeah. and that was me going into an office with with a client. Yeah. So there's some really interesting ethnographies, you know, studying some of these people working remotely, and exactly the problem that you're pointing out, and that is how do I demonstrate to my bosses that I really am all in on this project, and mm. and they find themselves doing really nutty things. For example. Like making, like scheduling meetings at a time during their kids' birthday parties so that everybody knows that they are kind of so into this project that they're willing to chomp on their family life in order to get it done, right? And working, scheduling meetings and things in the evening so that, you know, you, you look like you're super dedicated uh, because they don't have the opportunities to, to do that face-to-face the way we typically do. So, you know, it, it is true that people who are more outgoing and more self-promoting will always do better. Uh, what's interesting in this context here is that whether you are or not, you will be in worse shape if you are remote because it's just so much harder yeah. um, to do the things that are typical in an organization to just let people know you're around Uh, and your colleagues will be around. It's one thing if we're all remote, not a problem, or at least not as much of a problem. But if everybody else is in the office and you're not, this is not going to work for you. And if you want to be an individual contributor, possibly that's worth it. Um, Possibly your career might be fine with that. If you want to be a manager, not going to be fine. Because so much of being a manager is about managing people in traditional situations. And given that we don't expect that most people are going to be remote, the opportunities to develop and learn those sorts of skills and things just, you know, they're not there. Yeah. So is it, is there something we, so I suppose it's what, 
as organizations, as individuals? What do you see? Uh, and then this is God, one here's what's the silver bullet? Um, what can we what can we do to limit our, either our team? Well, so as a manager, let's take it that way. How can we limit the fact that we unconsciously let someone who is not with us and visible all the time yeah. that we understand and recognize um, uh, their contribution and are able to make a, a reasonable judgment of it and coach them and etc and and then from the flip side of us as an individual what can we do to make sure that we are our managers can see that yeah, well, I think it begins with the fact that we're not good at that now in the office, right? Mm -hmm. our, our performance management is lousy right now, right? Even for people who are in the office. Um, but, you know, here's what we could do. The question is getting people to, to do it. Um, you know, during the pandemic, it was some of the funnier survey results were those indicating that um, people liked their supervisors better when they were working remotely. And you might think, oh, okay, I, I never see her. I like her better. <laughs> you know, maybe that's the answer. But a lot of companies were doing one thing that was different. They were making the supervisors schedule Zoom meetings with all their direct reports and talk about work. Sometimes every week, I was talking to one of my MBA students who told me that uh, for their summer interns, they were having, who were virtual interns, they were having that meeting every day, 15 minutes at the end, end of every day with the intern, just talking about how things went. They're not talking about football. They're not talking about the weather. <clears throat> they're not gossiping about their families the way we do in the office. They're having a focused conversation about how are things going, right? And, uh, you know, we could do that. And that would be the thing to do, right? To manage remote workers better is to keep doing that. So, okay, what are we trying to work on this week? Where are you on these projects? Let's keep track of them. Let's set some expectations about what you think could be done. Um, and let's see if we can, you know, just follow that. We don't do that typically for office workers right now. Um, and the problem is, can we do it for remote workers? Yeah, if somebody's willing to make them do it, they should do it for both, right? Um, the other problem we've got, though, is that remote work requires, or most of it, requires supervisors to do a lot more for you. They have to be your eyes and ears in the organization, what's going on. They have to run interference for your projects and let you know, you know, are the priorities changing here? You know, are people thinking about this differently? Uh, is there something going on in the organization, a piece of information that you need? And so it, it puts a big burden on supervisors. And frankly, we haven't given supervisors time or resources, right? So we could get better at managing remote workers. I don't know that it's gonna be better, uh, that it will equalize the difference for those remote workers, but it's gonna take a lot of time from management. And frankly, one thing that, you know, in the UK, certainly maybe more so in the US, we just have not done, is we just have not devoted much time or energy to management. So mm. are we gonna do it? Well, we could, um, but somebody's gotta think that it's worthwhile and so far, you know, we really haven't thought it's worthwhile. Yeah, because that, that usual thing of management is, is always that thing of an individual contributor, let them be a manager. Um, right, and, which and, we know doesn't work. Yeah, so without, right. without the training, they don't work with, and characters, right. sometimes they're the wrong people. Yeah, 
I think and we some make you a manager, but then we also want you to be an individual contributor and we don't give you the time to manage and yeah. we give you too many direct reports and you can't have these, you know, yeah. even if you have these conversations once a week, most of your week is going to go to having these conversations or we, yeah. we don't count that in as part of what you're supposed to be doing. So, you know, we have to take it seriously and we don't want to. So, yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? So it's just thinking about what... What do you what do you see? Uh, I'm just looking here at your book, at the, your, your sort of titles on there. Of, of um, what would you say is 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 the future looking at? And looking on, uh, it's, yeah, it's well, difficult. I can, I can it's, tell you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can tell you where I think things are going. I think you know we've had an enormous amount of attention around the fact that many employees really would like to keep working remotely. Yeah. It's not all employees, interestingly, yeah. and by some measures in the US, you know, some surveys suggest about a third want to go back to the office, more or less the way it was before, and very small percentage, you know, less than 20%, uh, are really thinking about wanting to be permanently remote someplace. So most everybody wants to be something in between. Yeah. The problem is we don't see on the employer side, what's in it for them, you know? So in Silicon Valley, my guess as to what went on in Silicon Valley is they're fiercely competitive with each other, those employers, because they're hiring the same individual contractors, yeah. contributors rather, right? Um, and so when the, the sense was that the other companies were getting ahead of them, so Twitter was kind of the leader in this thing, but it turned out Twitter was the leader because they were already moving toward having more remote work when the pandemic started. Yeah. But then it looked like they're way ahead and announcing you could work anywhere. Woo. Now they can hire people. Everybody else is chasing them, you know. But the extent to which there's a trend, it's walking that back. So there was an interesting survey done by Slack um, this last couple of months ago where they surveyed executives and hourly workers, right? And what they found is the executives overwhelmingly thought it was important to have people come back in the office. The regular employees said, overwhelmingly, we would like some hybrid or something yeah. different. But the interesting thing was that only about a third of the executives said that they were consulting their employees uh, in making these decisions. So you know where this is going, right? You're thinking about it. They want people back in the office. They're not bothering to ask their employees because they probably don't care what the employees think. And I think we are drifting in that direction now. As the pandemic dragged on and the restrictions sort of drag on, what most employers, at least in the US, have been doing, about a third of office workers are already back in the office now. So what they've been doing is they've been gradually bringing people back in, yeah. keeping some social distance. But when they're bringing them back in, they're bringing them back to the old environment. Yeah. And so by default, I think that's where we're headed. And the reason is, you know, at least in the U.S. anyway, it may not be true in the EU. Uh, and I guess you folks are in between the two, but workers don't. Have Heaven knows. Heaven knows with us these yeah, days. Right. right. Uh, but, you know, the employers are going to do what they want to do. And, yeah. uh, you know, there doesn't seem to be enough competition that's pushing employers to have to be hybrid. Yeah. There are some places where there is, and some of the IT jobs in the field of law, surprisingly, 
because there the labor market is quite organized for new hires. The leading law firms are all going to the same schools. Uh, they're all competing with each other. Everybody's talking yeah. to each other. And the students are all asking about hybrid. And so they're, they're, they're rolling out hybrid plans for new lawyers starting out. In tech, they sort of are. In banking and finance, they're not. We're going to get a little bit of a mishmash, but the trend is back to the office, I would say. I don't think that's a great thing, but I think that's the trend. Yeah, I think the, thing, the point you made there about the fact that people are dropping back into the same office environment is something that I, again, it's ta I've talked to people about and I've said, it's going to change. Um, certain, I think, I'm sure, I do think in the IT industry, it'll be a lot different. I think that that whole thing of having the, getting rid of de hot desks, where you're going to sit and, as I say, talk to other people, it needs to be binned. Um, there will be some, but actually it's the collaborative spaces. And I don't mean meeting rooms. I mean, collaborative spaces you will go you'll meet your work you'll disappear to somewhere else you're going to and 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 having that that environment where you've got to look at it and go and it's going to be bloody hard to work it out because you've got to think well how much collaboration space compared to desk space compared to formal yeah. meeting space that we're going to need yeah. um but but and that's where and i've seen it at some places where the environments that you can and i'm sure this start doing is where you can take your environment and move it around and change it static desks static walls static whiteboard mm -hmm. moving that stuff around is going to be critical i think if you're going to do a proper a decent hybrid and then that whole thing of the the hybrid collaboration of having those other team members included and I, and I th you even get to the point like you say you've got the zoom but they do you have those little tablets with people's heads on do that does that make people react differently to the one screen on the wall that everyone's ignoring because you're stood at the whiteboard here does it change yeah. and i'm there i'm able to move around and look what's going on i don't know I, yeah. the technology's there it's the how we use it, how we adopt it, how it becomes normal, isn't it? And then you, you kind of drop onto things like the virtual reality kind of scenarios and AR as well as, are, are, are we in 10 years, and this goes to your point at the beginning, are we all going to be wearing Google Glass type things or Am, Amazon Glass or whoever glass yeah. glasses that represent a avatar of whoever isn't around in the room as if they're sat there? Because I know there's I, as one of my interviewees, um, Eddie Obang, um, uh, he has a virtual environment that they have called Cube, where the idea is you have virtual meetings and you've got your own avatar and you're going around and it, it's as if you're in a real world. Mm -hmm. um, it's not AR, but it's yet. But it, mm -hmm. it kind of you, you look at the things like is it Roblox? Does it, I can't remember where I was reading that around using that for meetings or Minecraft and private rooms with that, and you start thinking about does that especially bringing the, how, like for say the younger generation who see that as something that they're used to and normal to use, they might have an Oculus set or, or a headset of something or uh, other ones are available, but if someone wants to send me one free, cause I mentioned it on this, great. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> you know what I mean? The, 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 any, any, I don't see Ready Player One quite go, going to that level of it, but is, mm -hmm. that, is that something that's gonna drive 
some yeah. of that tech now yeah. to be able right. to really yeah. ramp up that because I can see where that would if people are working from home and you want better collaboration that's a way of doing it and it does open up your boundaries as well to even more openness as well yeah what it still doesn't do is this uh sort of spontaneous thing so uh, i heard uh, a quote from his name the head of uh, i guess the managing partner pwc in the uk who was talking about you know what he missed from being in the office and one of the things was you know, nobody ever caught him in the, nobody could catch him in the hall and pass on a little tidbit of information or ask him something, you know, that might help them learn about something, right? Um, uh, you can't do that when you're working remotely. If there's something you want to pass on to the managing partner, you got to schedule a Zoom call. And you know what? They're not going to let you schedule a Zoom call. To be honest, uh, though, I, I, I kind of challenge that. Because yeah, okay, well, good. I challenge that from a point of view of, depending on what to, to the level for me, the people in my organization, there's a certain level who I would be quite happy to ping an IM to an instant message to and say, and ask a question. I would, I would and maybe that's just where I am from that point. Yeah, and I guess it depends how many people you've got. So we yeah. had a CEO of a company here in Philadelphia say that she tried that by giving people her, uh, her, um, cell number and telling them they could text her right mm -hmm. and she said you know the problem was she was just so overwhelmed she couldn't even read the text anymore right so mm -hmm. um you know trying to figure out yeah, how to okay. manage that process is is something we're not so good at yet but you know having the spontaneous meetings having the spontaneous feedback yeah. you know is not something that everybody's going to be open to if they're working from home you know, yeah, the big true. thing that people seem to like about working from home is having control of their time. Yeah. And having control of their time means to be able to take a break, walk the dog for a while, come back in, sit back down. It doesn't mean being on the screen the whole time, or, or it means not doing that, really. Yeah. Um, and so if, if you don't have that availability, then, you know, we got another challenge, right? So uh, I don't see that there are easy solutions to this, you know, Zoom and video help, but it didn't fundamentally change uh, this difference about being in the office versus not in the office. So maybe it will come along, you know, maybe. Yeah. But I, Introduced its own there. problems as well, didn't it? Yeah, sure. Because I, I talk about it as, I described it as what I call performance fatigue, because yep. uh, you and I will both be doing it now. We're both sat in front of our, our, our cameras and we can see ourselves on there and if you're in a room full of 40 people and you're sat in the back and someone's talking to someone else about something else or even 10 people you're invisible when they're talking about something specific so you're furtively checking your email on your phone or or quick check on your tech or whatever and that that's kind of what happens that's why that happens because you're not part of that cool but when you're on video you can see yourself on that gallery of nine people Everyone can see you on that gallery. If you're sitting there going, people see you doing that and, and you can see it. Now, people might still be ignoring you, but you still have that, I'm on. I'm, it's, yeah. it's, it's like presenting, isn't it? It's like if you're running a workshop or a, a set of lectures through a whole day and it's only you, it's exhausting because you're yeah, in funny. performance mode. 
It's funny, I, I had to go to a dermatologist to have something removed um, this week, but I was talking to her about how's business. And she said, because it's way up, because everybody's on Zoom and they can see themselves and they're seeing <laughs> things about themselves they don't like. Uh, and so now they're coming in to have, see if they can have you know, their skin fixed up and things. So oh, wow. I think that, I think that's right. It's worse when you can see yourself that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it just, it just improved. And that tiredness of that. And I, I know that it, it, I found it exhausting because I, and it, originally it was, I was a video on first person. Let's make sure we keep these relationships. It's, but for all, for good reasons. And then there was people who wouldn't do it. And I didn't quite understand it. And then I found I was shattered at the end of the day. And I'm thinking, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, now I am. And it was kind of like, again, it's the use it when use the right tool at the right time, isn't it? It's yep. if you're having a one to one conversation with one of your team members, building relationships, do it. If it's just a quick update on something, don't need it really. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and be willing to turn it on or off whenever needed. And uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a, it's a that whole how technology might help us. You know, I'm really quite interested in on how it could help us. And then the other, the other thing is obviously from a, you say what's in it for the corporates. Is, is there a thing where they've got a lot of money invested in some incredibly expensive um, property um, around the world? And if they can get the same or sim close enough results to what they're getting now without paying the rent or the and yep. and as you say they haven't seen a mass exodus from them yet because they don't know what's going to happen is that something potentially that's on the horizon in some fields because they go oh, yeah. right we've yeah. gone yeah well that's what they're trying i mean that's what drove it initially so in march of 2020 a poll of cfos found that 30 plus percent said that they were already planning to shrink their real estate footprint. Uh, mm -hmm. And that is, that's the interest, but it's only that way if you're going to be permanently remote. If you're going to be yeah. hybrid, it doesn't save office space. But you shrink uh, it, so, you could shrink that office space, don't you? Well, you know, we tried this. I mean, the the hot desking and hoteling as we called it, it more or less collapsed. So in the mid 2000s, um, there were articles in the business press saying, whatever happened to it? Because most employers pulled back from it because people hated it. They really liked having their own desk uh, and they wanted to be able to, when they come in, not to get a random desk, but to sit with their colleagues and friends. And yeah. so most everybody pulled back from it. So, yeah, you know, I there are people who think, oh, this time we'll figure it out. But you want to ask yourself, if it didn't work before, what are you going to do differently? Right. So, yeah, I, I, and I can kind of, I, I, I've been into the office three times um, since, uh, since COVID now. Well, four times. Once to pick up a, a monitor, a new monitor, and the uh, the other three times I had two workshop sessions, and and ones to meet some of my new team that I've just joined up with. And you know what? I did. I hadn't realised how much I'd missed that. Sat at the desk, and the, and mm -hmm. it was very few of us there. But that little bit of banter, that little bit of chatting about stuff, was really. I found it really positive. Mm -hmm. Even though I, as I said earlier, I don't like that forty-minute drive um, there and there and back. It was kind of it's it's still I wouldn't want to do that forty-minute drive. But then I kind of think, well, I kind of would like that. So I wonder whether are we going to get the sort of local hub 
scenarios of of the uh, I know I know certainly in our in the local town by me they're, they're about to convert one place into a uh, I think it's twelve pound a day you can rent a desk for uh, yeah. or if you pay monthly you can, and and kind of have a, and you can that give you or you can have a, a pay so much and have a desk twice a week and you have you're going to get similar people working there is it about that human connection with people not necessarily uh, like, that doesn't give you the work benefit and obviously there's right. the confidentiality confidentiality kind of things and things like that around it but it gives you that human that human element that we kind of being part of a community that that being in a in a in an office is a massive part of it is that you are part of a community isn't it yeah uh, you know i don't know of course we ran this experiment too right with we work and all those uh, yeah. places um i don't know to what extent the conclusion was that that really functioned to create a community, I, I just don't know. I mean, you know, if you don't have the same people there all the time, it doesn't have, you know, it doesn't have that benefit. So um, I don't know, it's a good, it's a good question. Yeah. Nigel, you can, you can probably tell that it's getting dark here as <laughs> I'm suddenly sitting in the dark. Yeah, I and can see. My that. wife has reminded me that we have to go to the symphony tonight. So uh, oh, wow. soon we should probably wrap uh, up. If that's, that's fine. Uh, Okay with you? Yeah, that's absolutely fine. Um, we've, we're coming knocking on an hour now, so that's brilliant. So uh, if we cut into, I'll cut that bit out, and then if we cut in, yeah. in now. So. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, this is going to be a challenge for all of us. Um, your book talks about some of the choices that we're, we're, all of us are. Uh, and as I say, I, I, I say to everyone who comes on this, I don't read their whole books so that I can be the yeah. person who doesn't know anything when I'm talking to you. It's not because I'm lazy, honest. Um, uh, if people were thinking about how are we going to move forward, what, what would you say were the couple of key points that they get out of your book? Well, the first is that it doesn't work so well for people who want to be permanently remote. Um, the second, and you know, we know that because we've studied it for about 20 years. Um, the second is that we have to figure out what works for the employer on this. And you know, simply because many employees like it doesn't necessarily make it uh, persuasive uh -huh. um, for employees. So I think what I try to do, I'm, I, I'm not particularly preachy. Uh, I'm just trying to lay out, you know, here are the challenges. If you go down this path, here are the things we have to think about. And here are the pitfalls, right? So um, I think it, it, that's the basically it. It's the roadmap of here are the things you have to worry about, right? And here are different ways you could try to deal with them, but it's not a book encouraging you to go one way or the other. So. Good, good. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Well, uh, Peter, thank you for uh, coming on the show. If people wanted to find out more about you, um, wh where's the best place to, for them to, to find you, et cetera? It, it, uh, fortunately, there's not very many Capellis um, in the academic world. So if you just look for Peter Capelli, two, two Ps and two Ls, um, I have a website at the Wharton School. I got other stuff floating around other places, but I'm pretty okay. easy to find Brilliant. Uh, because of that. Superb. Well, as I say, thank you very much and have a wonderful rest of your evening. Good. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you to Peter for that chat. Uh, fascinating, interesting topics that we covered there. I hope you uh, found the same. Um, 
that's it really for me to say um i hope you have a wonderful rest of your day but uh, just remember uh the dinner table uh jump along let's have a chat tell me about what you thought about the conversation with peter so it's at tinyurl.com forward slash the dinner table or search for it on linkedin um obviously if you have anything you want to shout out to me give me a shout at nigel at nigelcreaser.com and look after yourself cheers now bye If you enjoyed the show, um, it would be brilliant if you uh, would like to support it. A uh, number of ways you can do that. Number one is sharing it with your friends and colleagues. Uh, the more people who hear about it, the more people uh, get to uh, get the experience from my fantastic guests. If you want to go a bit more than that, you can jump onto wherever you listen to this and give me a review. Five stars would be lovely. Uh, and if you want to look at the throwing some cash towards me, there are a number of ways you can do that. You can pop along to the Patreon slash Sunday Lunch PM uh, there. Or you could grab one of the books that I've published over the years and uh, obviously get a little bit of cash from those. On the website under the shop, there under, sorry, yeah, under the shop, I've got links to all of my guests' previous guests' books. And Ian Joel's is on there. And if you jump along to there, you can. Uh, buy a copy of their books and I get a little kickback from that too and obviously with our new headline sponsor of Tamplo popping along signing up and if you end up using it I will get a kickback there as well so uh, finally obviously as I say every time uh, the most important thing though is come back next time I'll speak to you soon cheers Remember, if you want better meetings and better task follow-up, Tamplo's where to get it. Don't forget your one-month trial. tinyurl.com slash Tamplo. That's N-I-G-E-L-C-R-E-A-S-E-R Tamplo. Well, it's goodbye from me, Nigel Creaser, and it's goodbye from him, the Sunday Lunch PM. Goodbye.